0: What's the password? Hmm. Welcome to the Game Master's Speakeasy. Brought to you
1: by the record button. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Game Master's Speakeasy. I'm one of your hosts, Cody, joined by... And I'm Lance. This is Lance, my, my good buddy. And uh, you've found your way to the Game Master Speakeasy. Come on in. We welcome everybody. That's uh, I like to think that there's a little bit of Game Master in all of us. Uh, even though, you know, maybe you haven't run a game. Maybe you're just a player. That's fine. Come on in and join us. Uh, we are a uh, RPG-themed podcast we're just going to talk about mostly tabletop rpgs we might touch on uh, war games and oh god forbid tcgs but (laughs) never never again will we succumb to the addiction that is magic the gathering hopefully hopefully but we are here to talk to you about our experiences in tabletop gaming share some news with you today this is the proverbial session zero we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves and why why you might even bother listening to us. Uh, Lance here has a well. You go first. Tell me. Tell uh, Let's uh, just say how long you have been in doing this.
0: Well, I'm the old guy on the couch. I have been playing and/or game mastering tabletop games for the better part of 25 years. I started in high school, so that gives you some idea how old I am. Uh, I've <clears throat> played and game mastered Shadowrun, Deadlands. Um, more playing the Game Mastering, uh, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, playing Pathfinder 2, uh, and then little dabbles into various other games throughout various other genres over the course of that time.
1: And I, Cody, have also been Game Mastering, but compared to Lance for a relatively much shorter piece of time. However, I do love, I live for it. I I wake up and on the days that we are going to play or I'm working on tabletop games, I feel like a different person. I I feel like I'm spreading my wings.
0: Sometimes I feel like Cody's my greatest Frankenstein monster, because for those of you who have played games and then kind of gotten shoehorned into game mastering because nobody else in the group would do it, I was the one that got Cody started on gaming, and now I rarely, if ever, have to game master because he does all the work for me, and I just get to play, which is is a nice luxury after spending the vast majority of that two and a half decades being the game master.
1: Yes, uh, and... You know, it's it's a situation where it's like, you know, I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. <laughs> but we're going to touch a kind uh, of, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, first, we're going to touch on a couple of news topics. First off, just in case you have been living under a rock, or maybe, maybe you're not living under a rock and it's just not something you have to worry about. You go with the flow and news finds you when it does. The, uh... The casters of the shore, the uh, the sorcerers of the beach, if you will, have announced a new evolution of their titular product, uh, the one and only Dungeons and Dragons. The, the The hog's share of the gaming world is going to receive not a new edition. They've been very careful not to use the word edition, right? But... They are promising that it will be backwards compatible with 5th edition, which, if you ever look at the numbers on people that are using things like Roll20, it's like something crazy. It's like 90, 90% of it, I think, is Dungeons & Dragons or something crazy like that. that. And then... Um,
0: so are we, are we, for lack of a better term, just calling this 5.5?
1: I think that is that is what the a lot of the internet took to okay. immediately. Uh, there is a lot of nostalgia attached for 3.5, which... Neither of us have ever run, but one of my favorite pastimes is to buy systems, read the entire rule book, and never have a chance to run it yet. <laughs> because newer or better, well, I don't even
0: necessarily, even necessarily better, but newer editions
1: have come out that have become more
0: popular and are now kind of more serviced.
1: Yeah, and we also have jobs.
0: Well, that too. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how many games we can concurrently run at any given point in time.
1: If I could run a game every day of the week, I would.
0: I mean, if somebody were paying me to do that, I would absolutely Game Master five days a week as a a job. (laughs) For sure.
1: Our primary foray into my dungeon mastering occurred when uh, I stepped into the shoes of Marshall of a Deadlands campaign, but... As a fantasy nerd, we jumped into 5th edition D&D pretty hard when I just bought the books and forced everyone to play with me. And It didn't take much. It wasn't really that
0: forced. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of people out there clamoring to play, and when you've got a Game Master that is volunteering to Game Master without any, any uh, objection at all, you jump on that.
1: I was chomping at the bit! <laughs> but that is something I am very much looking forward to, especially because we have made a switch in the last year to a competitor of that. Uh a second piece of news though I have is well this is news to me, uh because it is it flew under my radar, uh and I know no one no one of our friends talked about it. It is a system, so it's it's news to me, so it's news and that counts, darn it. Alright And that is uh there is a tabletop game called Asunder, uh, I believe. I think I have it right here. It is by. It is published by Gifted Rebels, and it is a system based kind of on the system uh, called Shadows of the Demon Lord. Are you familiar with that one? I'm not, no. Okay, Shadows of the Demon Lord is a system by Rob Schwald. Schwalb? Rob? That's a hard name to say. Rob Schwalb, and he is a fantastic uh, designer for old fantasy stuff. Uh, he's a real good monster designer, but Shadows of the Demon Lord, where is set in like a almost post-apocalyptic fantasy, really grim, dark Ooh. fantasy, where the big bad evil guy has already won I and like the those. heroes are trying to survive. It kind of uses that system. And Asunder is a primal RPG set in a world without metal. <laughs> where the characters the PCs the heroes of the party are using their essence their powers to shape bugs and like plants and use it as armor and weapons so does it come
0: off is it supposed to come off as kind of a high fantasy without metal or is it supposed to come off more as like a like a a prime like a Far Cry primal caveman
1: fantasy game I get kind of a like a darker not so dark as like oh, it's doomsday we're all gonna die, but uh, a more a more far cry primal kind of thing, but with fantasy and all sorts and of magic crazy and stuff magic like that. and uh, yeah. the, if you look at the artwork, it's just kind of got this grit to it so so like
0: everybody's kind of a barbarian in their own right a lot of a lot of fur, fur clothing and spears with sharp rocks and flint and and maybe giant praying mantis like scimitars and I'll tell things you like what
1: that. I'll tell you what. In classic me fashion, I'm going to buy that PDF and read through it and I'll tell you more. <laughs> and then we'll run maybe from now. Run a segment on it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, so what else have we got? Oh, I am not a huge fan of it. I have watched some episodes. I live in fear of being uh, labeled that I am copying Matt Mercer for my content. And such, I kind of avoid watching too much of it. Because if I ever copy him, I want it to just be by pure accident. So I can say like, ah, we both got there on our own. But... For those that are huge fans of it, you might have heard of Critical Role. I don't know. It's, it, I
0: mean, I, I've watched quite a few I mean, hours
1: a, of Critical Role. Most of the first season, for sure. It's a sh- it's a show. It's a I mean, it's a show. I think it's a, some people might have might have heard. I of it.
0: would imagine that a lot of uh, our core audience has probably probably. Um, listen to that or seen it at some point
1: <laughs> i know two at least two of my players in my regular fantasy we- usual weekly rpg group are fans of it but they have recently dropped a trailer uh they had a kickstarter i think it was last year Uh, where they were going to produce an animated show based on their first season and the trailer just dropped for it and it is filled with all sorts of references that i'm sure are very meaningful for people that have actually listened to the whole show i'm gonna have to check out the trailer i really enjoyed the first season i mean and i'm always a big fan of cartoons so you put anything to animation and i'll watch it just for fun oh yes uh for those at home Uh, You might have gathered this, but we're nerds. But in in particular... Also true. In particular, we are uh, fans of animation. One of our buddies in my normal RPG group is actually a, a freelance animator who's done a little bit of work. And so you can picture like... Two or three 30-year-old men sitting on a couch watching the newest animated Disney movie just because we, we were like, ooh, look how smooth that, that animation was. Ooh, look at how beautiful that water is.
0: I appreciate the generosity of you using 30 as your age as opposed to uh That's right. I, this, uh,
1: I am about to be 31. And Lance, you are. I just turned 40. Ah, uh, <laughs> You're going to die. <laughs> well, we all are eventually. But yeah,
0: I intend to at some point. Hopefully uh, later rather than sooner, but who knows?
1: Um, so, last piece of news I have is the... You're pregnant? S- no, I am okay. not. Thank goodness. Not yet. And <laughs> who knows? Maybe someday. I don't know, man. I'm just trying to figure life out as God goes along. But if I ever did have a kid, they're going to they're gonna play the heck out of tabletop games. I'm not letting them play football, that's for sure. I can't get my kid
0: to read through the 5e book to save his life. I keep trying. I'm like, here, just read it and play with your friends. Come on. You're going to enjoy it. Trust me. You know you, is-
1: you know, what you could do. You could bribe him. Say, you can get out of your next grounding if you read through this core rulebook. That's a good idea.
0: He's currently grounded, actually.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) I could use this to my advantage. Leverage it. To go along with the previous piece of news, where the uh, alchemists of the western region are producing a new version of their wonderful, which I do do like it, I have a great deep love for at least 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, because it is what uh, has kind of Launched me into the the foray, this uh, adventure, if you will, you know. Oh, what's a good word for you know uh, this this long journey? Oh, adventure. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> common
0: commonly used word in this industry. Yeah. yeah
1: weird that uh, adventuring into game mastering, which is why we're here at this game master speakeasy, uh, is that there is a company there's a recent kickstarter it launched 4 days ago i believe they're located in the uk it's a it's a, a london or or no not london but it is in the uk somewhere i don't know not important what's important is that they are producing a crunchier rule set for fifth edition. Is this just like an like an add-on to the existing 5e rule set or is it
0: designed to replace it?
1: It is a standalone game with its own set of 12 classes, most of which you look at the names and the artwork and you're like, oh well one of them's just straight up called a bard, one of them's called the rogue. <laughs> and it's uh it's published using uh 5e's OGL, the open gaming license. Okay. So they
0: they kinda of trying to do they trying to get kinda of go the Piesao route where they take an existing form of Dungeons and Dragons and then make it their own and run with it is that kind of what it seems like.
1: Yeah, it's it's basically a their own version of a 5.5 okay. which coincidentally happens to be launching this Kickstarter around the same time mm-hmm. that the progenitors themselves, <laughs> well, not TSR, but uh, the progenitors themselves are launching their version which will be backwards compatible with 5e. This competitor has gotten a lot of uh, well, this this competitor I will name drop is uh, Ian Publishing, uh, the people who started the ENNies, which is the annual awards for the tabletop gaming. Oh, okay, it's it's like the it's like the closest thing we got to the Oscars.
0: Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So the
1: same publisher that started the ENNies, I believe Ian Publishing, is the ones behind uh, Level Up, Advanced Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons.
0: Okay. So have they kind of talked at all about what they're going to put in the system, like what what kind of things? I mean, is this because like your homebrew, for example, when when we got before we switched over to Pathfinder, when we were really kind of elbow deep in what we were doing with 5e, you had done a lot of homebrew stuff and you had done a lot of third party stuff that we'd added to the campaign to kind of add depth and, and things like that. New rule sets that, that kind of filled in some of the gaps. Because 5e is a beautiful system for what it is. It really is. It's designed is. for simplicity. You can take somebody of almost any age and you can put them on a table with a 5e rule set and a game master who's got a, a working knowledge of it and play it. I did. I mean, I, like, I took my kid and my wife and we ran just a, a simple you know one shot one night just because I wanted to introduce my kid to the game. He absolutely loved it, but like I said, the effort for him for reading the actual book has become a bit of a, a bit of a pain point for me. But I mean, and you can you can do that. I mean, that's one of the beauty parts I think of Five E as opposed to games like Pathfinder that are a little more complex. Is that the cost of entry to Five E psychologically mentally is is a lot less than most other game systems. So. I guess I kind of got off on a little rant, but back back to that. So, have there are they talking about the things that they're changing to make it crunchier?
1: Uh, my brief research has not ta- has not revealed exact mechanics, but the things that they are advertising are more advanced or complex mechanics. Uh, well, actually, it's a uh, I believe the way they worded it was depth, not complexity. Okay, uh, so it's a, a deeper system, uh, not to be not to confuse you so they're trying to make it intuitive obviously you want your game to be intuitive so they want it to have more depth uh and they want to have uh, more choice so you know here let's play a game uh pathfinder or level up advanced fifth advanced fifth edition more depth more character choice that matters things like that Mm -hmm. a lot of the things they tout kind of feel like the reasons that we switched to pathfinder okay you know, you've got uh, certain things in the game that are more, well, for me, it, just for me, personally satisfying. Like you said, f- uh, 5th edition is wonderful, but I I love a lot of crunch. Oh, yeah. My favorite chocolate bar is, uh, is a crunch, crunch bar. bar. Is the crunch bar. I love a good crunch bar. I want crunch in my game. I don't want it to be Ooh. so crunchy that everyone else is having no fun, though, but if you'll recall when... Uh, we'll, we'll actually, we'll touch on this in the uh, in our uh, open segment because okay. we're going to talk about a little small anecdotes about our personal experiences, how we got into this hobby, and in it, I will talk about uh, an example of just how much I like to do homework for my own player characters, whereas you know some people just want to show up and play, and that is perfectly acceptable because we're all just here to have fun with our friends. Absolutely. Uh, so before we get into what we have done this week uh, here at the GM Speakeasy, you want to tell us what we're drinking.
0: As the name of the show would imply, this is the Game Master Speakeasy, and because it is the Game Master Speakeasy, we happen to be enjoying a uh, few adult beverages during the course of this thing. So uh, each episode, we might give you a little little talk about what we're drinking, kind
1: of a review of the product. Uh, yeah. Um, we are drinking a uh, pretzel stout. Yes, it is chocolatey and infused with peanut butter and pretzels, and it is... It, it
0: tastes exactly like what you would think a pretzel stout would taste like. If you're familiar with beer, stout specifically, it's definitely chocolatey, it's definitely pretzel, and there's a little bit of salt on the back end, kind of the, the pretzel
1: salt vibe. Oh yeah, I actually get a uh, into that, and I want to state that while we are reviewing such a wonderful product, we do not condone underage drinking. Please drink responsibly. Okay. <laughs> Hi Lance, what'd you do this week that's tablet, and I mean tabletop related. What'd you do this week that's tabletop related? I mean, related? I would think you would know, you were there. Um, <laughs> we
0: went ahead and, and did a uh, kind of a first run test of the Lancer system,
1: actually. For those who don't know, um, it, Lancer is a an, an RPG that you can play to express your love of, your passionate burning love of giant metal robots. Doing battle with one another and anime style narratives in between.
0: And I mean, who doesn't like giant metal robots beating the tar out of each other?
1: I can't stop. I literally can't stop thinking about it. I was at work standing, st- like, standing dead, doing nothing at work, uh, with no, because no, I work, cur- I have two jobs. One of them is customer service, and with no one present, I just stand there and think about tabletop stuff, usually. And I was standing there planning encounters, uh, coming up with a mechanic to help uh, you know one of my one of my biggest pitfalls is i get a new system and i think i need to change it immediately <laughs> instead of trying to just run it raw but i do think it is a mechanic that will help uh, reinforce the mercenary style of play uh what else though you do anything mini related um i've been doing a lot of painting uh, a lot of norse
0: style minis i've got uh three ships that i got the uh, loot studios did a did an S, uh, stl file uh, dump you could buy out the entire collection there's 80 some minis all kind of based on norse mythology they were for the uh journey to valhalla i think that's an expansion for 5e or a, a book for 5e and I, I bought all those up and I, I printed out three complete long ships and, and a
1: number of like little viking dudes to paint have you painted the one with the leaf sail yet
0: uh no i've started the hull of that thing i've gotten most of that done but not not entirely have you
1: decided what uh, color you're going to do the leaf? I think you should do the, the fall.
0: I think I'm going to do kind of a fall. The, the, for those that don't know, if you haven't seen this particular set of STLs, there's three different ships involved. And one of them looks like a, a more typical like Viking longship, what you would expect if you've seen the show Vikings or if you're at all familiar with, with any Norse cultural thing. It's very traditional. And then one of the ships... It really looks like what you would imagine like an elfish longboat looks like. The sail itself is textured like a leaf.
1: It's a giant leaf.
0: It's a giant leaf. So when we talked about the coloring of it, when, when I originally printed it out, I'd, I'd mentioned that uh, that I'd probably try to use more fall colors, you know, bright colors, something like that to give it a little, little panache because, you know, the rest of the boat's going to be like a wood brown and stuff like that. And then the third ship... I kind of I, it really equate it to what I would imagine like Jotun would sail in. It's very brutal looking. There's a there's a mammoth skull up on the uh, up on the top of the sail. There's a big ice prow on the front to cut through frozen
1: frozen area. It's kind of a neat thing. But hey hey, you know what I would say if I was a villager in the in the that elven ship was going to come attack my village. Oh God, what? Leave us alone. Oh no. no. <laughs> 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 We even got a look from our producer on that one. Wow! All right, so uh, let's see what what did I do this week? Uh, like I said, you before, game mastered Lancer. Well, yeah, I game mastered Lancer. That was that was fun. Uh, the first, my experience with that was, I really like the system mechanically. I like the lore that uh, I believe. Oh, did I already say it's Massive Press is the is the people that published it, and they created this I, I this wonderful system. I love it. I'm already in love with it. I have read the rule book front to back we ran the first uh, the first session in which I made some mistakes uh, running the NPCs because there are certain rules that I overlooked yeah,
0: everybody does their first
1: time that's very important if you are ever going to game master game know that everyone makes mistakes yeah don't do not let that discourage you I can't begin to tell you in the amount of time that
0: I've game mastered the amount of times that I've screwed up the rules that I've honestly unfairly treated my players just because of something that I thought I knew that I didn't know it's okay because we're all there to have fun
1: that's a that's an, that's an idea for an entire episode. We can talk about our, our mistakes worst, we've ever made, worst mistakes we've ever made.
0: Yeah, I could talk for hours about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, I have a couple examples in mind. Uh, one involving one of your characters. Oh God, what? Yeah. do now? <laughs> All right. So uh, now that we're here, this is session zero of this podcast, and so what we're going to do now is kind of talk about. Uh, where we came from. So, Lance, I want you to give me the intro. Your first experience with tabletop gaming, I believe, was Shadowrun. Shadowrun, right? right. Some, uh-huh. One of your buddies back when you were yep. in high school. This was, was, this about was my
0: freshman year in high school. Um, somebody that I just met starting in high school, it was kind of a friend of a friend, and he, uh, I don't know that he had ever really game master Shadowrun before us, but he had the books, a lot of the, it was second edition Shadowrun is where we started. I think he still had some of the old first edition books. As a matter of fact, I think I was the one that inherited all of his books when he stopped playing, because I have totes full of old, old Shatterham books at home. And um, we'd go hang out in his basement, listen to Megadeth, and play, you know, this this science fiction, fantasy, cyberpunk genre game. And it at the time, especially because, you know, this is me, what, 14 years old, probably. This is the coolest thing I'd ever done in my entire life. And I understand that, that, you know, this is, I mean, if you've ever, when you start tabletop games, you're basically just rolling dice and using your imagination. And it seems when you say it out loud to be such a simple thing, but when you're doing it, it is this prolific experience. And I'll be honest with you, at the time, I don't think any of us had a really good understanding of even really what role-playing games were, because most of us... We were just cranking out these like munchkin characters that were way overpowered and way unrealistic with these minimal if existent at all backstories. But that was where it started. And that, that is what got me into the game. And then, you know, obviously through the course of evolution. Now I make characters now that I, I, I'm less worried about their stats than their actual background and the character themselves.
1: You do it for the plot. You do it for the plot, but I mean, you know,
0: however you get started is however you get started. At the end of the day, if it gets you into gaming, that's what's really important. But yeah, I I, I did that, and we, we started doing that for a while, and eventually the onus kind of fell on me to start game mastering because Jason, the guy that got us into it, he he stopped playing. I don't I don't remember the exact circumstances surrounding it. And I kind of started pulling my other friends into the game as we were going along. Some of them had played when Jason was still game mastering. And then, um, like, what happens any time a group loses its Game Master? Somebody has to fill in that spot or nobody gets to play. And right. Nobody else wanted the job, so I kind of begrudgingly took it. And I did enjoy Game Mastering while I was doing it, but I, I will be the first to admit that I, I probably enjoy playing more than I do GMing. But I think it depends on the setting and it depends on the group. Um, we did that for a number of years on and off, and that's I Game Mastered Shadowrun a lot, a lot, a lot. And then we eventually got to a point where uh, was my friend Dan's cousin had gotten us the uh, core rule book for uh, Deadlands, second edition. That's uh, a book by Pinnacle, if anybody's ever played it. And Deadlands is essentially a, uh, a spaghetti western slash horror system. It's a lot of fun. It's a bit of a crunchy system. It goes into a lot, a lot of details about things. that it's, can.
1: It's like if Supernatural the show took place in the Old West. Yeah, it, right?
0: it really is. It's... Like the supernatural elements and the magic elements are all kind of behind the scenes. Your average townsfolk—they have no idea what that stuff really is. But there's something that's going bump in the night, and there's bodies being found here and there. And that was another one. And I, I think that I think that I've started game mastering. That was either me or Joe that ended up game mastering that one for a while. I'm going to name drop a lot of my friends. I'm not giving last names, but they'll know who they are if they hear the podcast. <laughs> um. And uh, let's see from there. Deadlands has a sister game called Hell on Earth, and we did a little bit of that here and there, but it was, you know, from that time, I was, you know, in and out of the army, I came back home, and eventually, um, your first game was Hell on Earth with us, wasn't it? Correct. You were
1: actually not my first game master. No, no, I think I
0: introduced you to the group, I think I got you into it, but I wasn't the one game mastering. So I'll let let Cody tell you about his first experience with, with gaming.
1: So, this is actually a uh, dual answer, um, because I had a... I kind of don't count it, but I kind of do. My first real experience with tabletop gaming was, of course, joining your group. uh, With uh, our buddy who wanted to run Deadlands Hell on Earth, which is uh, supernatural, but it takes place in Fallout. Uh, And my first experience actually was d 3.5, where I made a, we had put some money together with some other kids at high school and uh, one guy was, uh, he was going to game master it and we had like, God, I think there was like eight or ten of us in my parents' basement for this session and it was just kind of like a gladiatorial arena where we're running our characters and I don't know if it was just because there was too many people, I don't think my buddy did a bad job game mastering, but I didn't really enjoy the time I spent doing it and I never touched it again. So, then you cut to, like, eight, nine years later, and I am fresh out of a breakup, and suddenly now my Thursday nights are super wide open... And I hear you guys talking about how much fun you're having. Oh yeah. Oh, I saying, "Oh man, when you did when you shot that bat demon in the head and knocked it over the cliff?" Yeah, I was yeah. like, "Man, what the That sounds like a lot of
0: fun." Most of the people that are in our gaming group all used to work together at one point or another. And that's yes. where he used to overhear our conversations about these games because several of us that were working together were also playing together and uh, We
1: have, we have a background in a different kind of table game. Well, we <laughs> we worked in a casino. In a casino for a very long time. I'm still working and they part-time but yeah so six and a half years before i escaped <laughs> but yes so uh, one could say that uh, uh, it was destiny I've, sp- <laughs> I've spent my table entire ge- adult life in table games. One way or the other. <laughs> so some table games better than others. You guys were starting a Hell on Earth campaign. You were a player. Uh, one of our other co-workers was going to be the game master. And I kept hearing about all these awesome stories that you guys were having every week. And suddenly my nights were super free on Thursdays. And so I asked you if you had any room. And of course, you said yes. Uh, which led to me... That was when we were kind of still hanging out
0: in my, like, sweaty, hot attic... Yeah. ...finished attic in my old house before I well, moved.
1: I didn't really know you guys that well uh, at the time. I was... Uh, this is back during my super-duper antisocial kind of quiet kid days. Yeah, um, and... we were in
0: training together, but that was
1: about it. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah we were in the same blackjack class. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh... But aside, aside from that, we didn't talk a whole lot. Uh, and But at that point, that was when... That was the day the Fire Nation attacked. That was the day my entire life changed when I got invited to this tabletop <laughs> game, uh, because I got to. Uh, this is what started the whole thing, right? Like our our lives here now exist because you said yes to that. Who knows how things might have been different.
0: Honestly, one of the best decisions of my life because I have not had to shoulder the burden of game mastering constantly because I'm, I'm he sure likes you it. Love that. I, mean, I really do. Like, I, I. I. It's not that I don't enjoy game mastering. I, I legitimately do, but. Having been the only person in our group that was willing to Game Master for probably 20 years, like, that'll beat you down a little bit. You get to a point where you've got all these really neat character ideas, and you don't want to turn them all into NPCs, because then you kind of want to over-glorify them, because you've got the God button in front of you.
1: Yeah, the the, the dreaded, GM unwanted I mean, yeah, GMPC. Or, but, but I
0: mean, even, even the NPCs that kind of come and go in campaigns... If you try to kind of shoehorn your favorite characters into those they sometimes come out as a little overworked and and overpowered because you really want to showcase how cool this character would have been if you'd gotten the opportunity to play it so you you kind of overpower them and that's a bad habit you shouldn't do it
1: i and i was super afraid of that happening with talbot but you guys seem to love him Anyway, he sounds like Kermit. <laughs> yes, uh, he's kind of sounds like Kermit. I tried to run an NPC sounding like Carl Sagan, and it comes out as Kermit, and I cannot change it. So no, that's, that's just how it is.
0: Kermit is canon now. It's just it's we can't change it. Everybody's yeah. decided that's what it is, and, and yeah. we're running with it.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, that's like uh, coming up with that Pharaoh's name, and you guys just referred to him as Plunger Sound. <laughs> well, <laughs> anyway. I, had, I got to uh, play, I digress, back into Deadlands Hell on Earth with my very first character, who I named Atticus Smith. And uh, for those who don't know the setting, there is a form of magic in, in uh, Deadlands Hell on Earth where you can play a, an arcane background, which is kind of a magic class, called a Junker. Or they're also referred to uh, in system or in the lore as a Techno-Shaman. Basically, after the apocalypse and all the bombs have the bombs have dropped, you know, it turns out there were spirits uh, created from these bombs from the mechanical creations of mankind. So there's different things like gun spirits and uh, auto spirits, and I think like pow- power generator spirits for electricity themed things. Something like that. But I liked this class so much, and the entire first session that we ran, I believe we were trying to. Uh, we were hired, I wanna say, or we were investigating a an a rundown amusement park, right? Yep. Where there were some uh some bad guys that uh we ended up getting into the first con... oh, it was a prisoner rescue, right? they were they had kidnapped yeah. the, some, some local, of the town folk some of the town folk, and we were trying to rescue the town folk and the, some guy came out behind the scaffolding of the Roller coaster and shot my character in his rear and I spent the entire session rolling on the ground bleeding and squealing that is a mechanic where you have to pass like a vigor roll in order to stop being stunned and I could not pass that check to save my life because I made my character a freaking wimpy guy I was playing I was playing it you know a lot of people play fantasy games so they can you know play a different archetype and play you know f- fit into the shoes of a hero that does not uh You know, that's kind of different than their real personality. And my character, I made a nerd. I was playing a nerd and I could not pass my bigger check to save my life. And I spent the greater part of three hours uh, just on the ground. Our, Our buddy Dan. He, he didn't, you know, we, I didn't know Dan so well at the time. He felt so bad for me that in character, he had his character, Scorp, come out and drag me to safety, which yeah. was kind of uncharacteristic for it, Scorp. It was.
0: To give a little context to that, when you're playing the Deadlands system, and that's either... Um, no, we're not talking about the Deadlands Reloaded system, which was an edition that came out later, but the old Deadlands 2nd edition system. Deadlands and, Classic. And, and yeah, and Hell on Earth. Um the when you take damage you have to make a vigor roll to determine how well your character handles the actual pain of being shot and if you fail that your character is incapable of taking most of their actions and they have to continue to make that roll every action that they have until they pass he gave his character a very low Vigor score and just could not... So it, was, it was a combination of bad rolling and, and the fact that he had made his character inherently... Uh, kind of wimpy. Kind of wimpy. Because yeah,
1: not only was he a wimp, but he wasn't fast, so I didn't get as many actions. No. I got maybe one or two actions and, and around...
0: All spent trying to fumble through that Vigor roll.
1: And, and so, because uh, initiative is drawn from a deck of cards. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Dan's over here with like an ace and a king of spades, and I'm sitting there with like a two of hearts... Just waiting to go. Yeah, because it goes from highest card to lowest. Um, I,
0: To be honest with you, I was surprised that Cody came back for another session. I thought for sure <laughs> that that incident alone would have turned him off to this, which actually surprises me more because I was not aware that he had played 3.5 at any point in time. And he said that, that he didn't really ever get his teeth into that or care enough about it to pursue role-playing. Wow. And then he had what I would consider one of the worst role-playing experiences that I'd ever seen when he played Hell on Earth. Just because of the the bleeding and squealing mechanics, and no, oh, he was back the next session. And I mean, we kept going,
1: and now we're here hosting a podcast about it. Yeah, it was it was like Jumanji. I could hear the drums. Didn't matter how poor my experience was, I could hear the call <laughs> in the distance. <laughs> Kemi coming back. Uh, so yeah, after, from there I went. You know, we we kept doing that weekly, I believe. Mm-hmm. And eventually, my character, I managed. I learned how to uh, not get eaten alive by monsters and stay out of the main array of combat. Eventually that character kind of evolved into a be- pretty, pretty cool sniper. Yeah, say, uh, right. Persons. And right around that time, the campaign ended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roughly, well, we just stopped running. It, I, I think, it, I think
0: anybody that's listening to this, that has any amount of time in gaming realizes that campaigns tend to, to blink in and out pretty constantly. It's unfortunate because a lot of times, You know, for whatever reason, the group will fall apart before you can get to even the best parts of the campaign. And as a GM, I can tell you, I've had plenty of really cool plot lines planned out that like just died on the vine because for whatever reason, the group couldn't get back together or the campaign ended or some other thing occurred that stopped me from utilizing this really neat plot hook or this really neat device or this really neat villain that I had planned out because he was planned out for like mid to late campaign and the campaign never really got out of its early phases
1: but lance when one door closes what happens we start
0: a new campaign and another, another game one and, opens yeah.
1: just like that and so uh i believe after that was when uh i kind of i believe it was around the time that hell on earth was ending because of our schedule change at work mm-hmm. probably that's you that was
0: usually what was killing our campaigns when we were working there
1: i think that was around the time that i decided to step up I think I think so. I think I, I you might have had that 5e book for a while and been thinking about it. We started Deadlands Classic in the old west setting before I had the 5e books. Oh, that's right. You were yep. game mastering Deadlands. I am. Yeah, you that was, was that was my that was, my yeah, first experience was I like
0: Roland, wasn't it? Three or, or no, it wasn't Roland it was three or four uh, sessions.
1: Yeah, you were playing Cyrus Nash who wanted out gunslinger, real typical badass mother mf'er on the planes in his duster coat. Uh, which honestly, uh, I got so hyped for that I designed and printed off like a, a wanted poster as a prop. Yeah, Do you remember, I remember that? that. Yeah, um, I had a little treasure map and everything. And I haven't done as many props lately because uh, just because I was like I'm a little lazy and technology. Uh, uh, it, it helps a lot with I'm that. I'm a little surprised we haven't gotten a prop treasure map for
0: our current campaign. Well, I did just
1: print the. Yeah, I did get you the exploration map. That's and true. A treasure map will happen. We are currently running a pirate <laughs> campaign. I can't not have a treasure yeah, that's map. A good seg-
0: it's a good segue, actually. <laughs> a, talk about that.
1: But so we got about three or four sessions into the Deadlands game. Uh, you were playing Cyrus. Dan was playing. Uh, he was playing a. Uh, Patchy, I think he was playing. Yeah, he was. That.
0: He was playing a, a Native American shaman character. Yeah, uh, the yeah, this, well, this, war shaman.
1: <laughs> he was playing a war shaman. Um, we had a talk a talk about um, who else was in that group.
0: Um, Moose was playing. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I didn't know name? that. I couldn't remember. Vincente,
1: he was the. He started before Brittany did. Though. He brought Brittany in
0: later. I want to say. Well, that was that was my campaign that he brought her in.
1: So did we do another Deadlands campaign with, like, Weird West campaign with me? Yeah, we did, yeah. Did you played James. Yeah, that's right, I was playing James. <clears throat> Yeah, I was playing James, and then there was Jacob, and then there was me. Mm-hmm. So we were running my deadlands. You you did you did yours for a while, then I stepped up. But I think we only got three or four sessions uh, before I could start. To heal. I could feel I could feel the drums again. <laughs> uh, I uh, true to true to my core, I love sci-fi and I love fantasy. And the the needle, the pendulum swings both ways. Sometimes I'm like, oh, this week I'm going to read The Expanse, and we're going to watch uh, Evangelion, and then also. More Mass Effect is out now, and then other times it's like, well, let's uh, let's read eight eight fantasy novels in a row, uh, and I could feel the, the call of fantasy. And as a person who is in tabletop games and a nerd, you, you hear about this game, whether or not you uh, you know whether or not you touch it. I don't think there's anyone who hasn't heard of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, if you don't
0: and, have you, I mean, you have to be living under a rock to not at least have heard of it. You may not have played it. You may not even know what a tabletop game is but culturally Dungeons and Dragons is so ingrained in for,
1: for better or worse it's practically the Kleenex of tissues you know it's the it is i mean
0: D&D is like you can even if you start talking about table games and people look at you like you're crazy you're like it's like Dungeons and Dragons and they're like oh okay okay yes. even if they don't know what that means they know what Dungeons and
1: Dragons is right thank Gygax. no doubt <laughs> <laughs> but we i ended up getting the core rule books for this i, I believe I, I believe once again i read them all front to back all three of them players handbook game master's guide and the monster manual and you were uh very reluctant at first you I, you every time i brought it up you cast a doubtful eye in my direction because lance here uh, they they took his beloved deadlands system and they neutered it with a d20 revamp right well that was i mean that wasn't the whole context of what it was
0: okay i'll be honest and and i was reluctant and i was wrong <laughs> i did not like level based <laughs> systems okay i never liked the concept of a level based system because the idea that, that your character at level 20 like if he gets shot in the face like that's gonna be a minimal hit point loss it's gonna be a joke it's not gonna really hurt the character and that always kind of took it out of me from a reality perspective because for those that have played Shadowrun you understand that a an, a beginning game character can take out a veteran character with a good shot. It's the same way with Deadlands kind of kind of back to the the arcane background system. You know, Deadlands and Shadowrun specifically, they have archetypes rather than classes. So, you can make a gunslinger and you can also give him the say the the blessed arcane background oh, yeah. in Deadlands where now you're going to have to adhere to the strictures of your religion, so your gunslinger's probably not trying to take lethal shots at people. But, but I mean, still. you you can build a gunslinger that also has some semblance of holy powers or some gifts from God based on those arcane backgrounds where a game as, like
1: as long as you got the bounty points. Yeah.
0: It. Where a game like, like dungeons and dragons is a little more strict in the, the way that the levels or not the level system, but the class system works. Oh yes. And I was very reluctant for that. When, when he started talking about D and kind of rolled my eyes and part of it was that there was an ill fated. I think it was around fourth edition. Um, they did a deadlands uh, D 20 system. Based on 4th edition. And honestly, it the reviews were crap. I never played it. But I do remember that they started doing dual-statted books where they were taking up a lot of space in my Deadlands 2nd edition books with stats for the D20 stuff. And I wasn't super happy about it. Oh, yeah. But admittedly, and I I will say this and I'll take this to the grave, I was wrong about leveled systems. I was wrong about class systems. Dungeons & Dragons is a blast. Pathfinder is also a class-based system and a level-based system. And it's a blast. You know, I, I that was probably one of the biggest lapses in judgment that I carried for a very long time when it comes to gaming because I carried that that prejudice against level systems from my time starting gaming till literally until you kind of forced me into playing D and D, and I have no regrets about the change.
1: You, you know what we should do sometime? What's that? We should try and make characters in older editions of D and D and run a game. It'd what? be like it'd be like uh, discovering. Just to see it, where the see. where it all came from. Yeah, because as much as we love tabletop games, we are not veterans of the older editions oh, of that. Bring back Thaco! <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I've looked into I it. It's thinking, not as confusing as people say. Is it. uh, it's, it's I really just not. assume that that's something nobody wants back. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's very simple. Uh, if I explain, you know, I, uh, we'll talk about it sometime. That seems <laughs> that seems like a topic for another day. All right.
0: But, so Cody starts Game Mastering
1: Fifth Edition. Yeah, and it is. I am really into it. We're enjoying it a lot. Uh, I'm not running. A, it's in Forgotten Realms, which is a setting that is unfamiliar to me. I'd never read any of the books growing up or anything like that. But I, uh, there's a lot of resources out there, and that made it easy to homebrew for. You know, we weren't running. Uh, we had. I jumped right into it. Didn't do. And I wanted to make my own story. The appeal of creating your own characters and your own adventures is. A lot of fun. That's my biggest takeaway as a game master. I get a lot of joy out of doing that. You know, if if I was a busier person, I might run a pre-written uh, adventure path or a bound together adventure. But I think that our group has more fun when it's tied more into the characters, uh, and I have more fun when I'm making my own stuff up. Well, and you know, it's funny because I hadn't realized until I started doing some recent
0: reading how often people base their tabletop games on the written modules. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always kind of ran them. Like, I've always kind of, like, shoehorned them into my existing campaigns. But there's never been a point in the entire time that I've been gaming where me, as a game master, didn't predominantly produce his own stuff. It just it had never occurred to me that you could even build entire campaigns out of those those uh, splat books. But, I mean, you can. The, the adventure books for a lot of these systems are so many of them that you could build a front-to-back campaign as a GM. If you're not the creative type but you really want a GM, there is the option out there for you to take those existing books
1: and run them. Oh, yeah. And some you know there might be tweaking involved, but there's the idea is already on paper. It's like, oh, I want to I want to run Cursive Strahd, but I want to run it 1 to 20, or we're starting at 11. You just mm-hmm. got to switch some statistics around. But other than that, uh, primarily the adventure is there for you to take the reins for. Well, oh, for sure. Uh, and so basically, uh, what about, we ran D and D five E yep. and we did that for like four years. I think we started in 2017 to three, three and a half years. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but I, yeah, it has, I it's mean, it's been obviously that long and has. it hasn't. And then, then we made the switch, uh, because like I've said before, I like me some crunch, and then there was this this uh, this temptress across the <laughs> way. I was I was it's that meme where the guy's like walking with a with his girlfriend, and, and there's looking that, back. There, looking back, and I was you know walking arm in arm with Five E, and there it was, Pathfinder <laughs> Second Edition, and that's what we'll talk about next episode. Why we made the switch and the strengths and weaknesses of both systems. So that is gonna we're gonna call that a wrap. I think for session zero, and uh, you can find this is uh you can find us on facebook instagram or recordbuttongroup.com. group.com this is the game master speakeasy brought to you by the record button you can find us on the wherever you're listening to most podcasts spotify and the uh, apple store which i think should be called the orchard but that's an entirely different thing
0: but uh apple if you do that you owe us money i just want to let you know oh, no no i don't know
1: we don't want to touch that. you can have that for free your lawyers yeah, yeah. are you know, that's right away. okay yeah never mind free <laughs> advertising you can have it (laughs) uh anyway uh tell your friends about us uh stick around well you know we are just here to have a good time and talk about game mastering stuff and even if you're not a game master you're still welcome here thank you and good night
0: thanks for coming